you you passed something along to me that was kind of interesting. Bubba Watson has this uh, vision for. Well, I'll just let you take it away, Jackson. Bubba Watson has a, a vision, something he's proud of with Live Golf, and something that he thinks for golf going forward, something that's going to happen. Yeah, and it was an interesting take, and whether or not the Live plans to implement this, I don't know. It was just said during the interview, and Bubba Watson b- passed around really the idea of the Live creating their own types of stadiums. And so stadium-type golf. So building permanent kind of stands around particular golf courses to really host very special live events. And so I'm, I'm actually going to ask you, Josh, if you can scroll down on that. We've got the, the quote pulled up here on the screen. And so he, he claims at the beginning of his quote, I know what the business plan is and the business model is, and we're talking about having teams from different parts of the world. Uh, we are – talking about having our own golf courses that basically we'll call them our stadiums and also having golf academies to help young golfers. And he cites wanting to be a part of legacy, something that that lasts outside of him. This has nothing to do with him individually, but he cites loving the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and how team golf is played in college, it's played in high school, but when you get to the pro level, it just all of a sudden kind of disappears. But now on the the Live Tour, you have this kind of team format, and so it lends itself to some stadium-style golf. And I love the idea, although I think, Josh, some things would have to change here. You and I were talking about it during the break. For I think, Give me your thoughts on this. For stadium-style golf to work, I go immediately to what would stadium-style golf look like? What would need to be played to make adding stadium-style golf worth it. And I go to something in the Ryder Cup, particularly that match play format. I mean, I think of the great match plays that we've had uh, throughout the years, particularly over the last decade, and I think automatically to 2016, the Rory McIlroy-Patrick Reed duel at Hazeltine. That was a fantastic showing of golf that fans just absolutely rallied around. If you were talking about Coliseum-style golf, stadium-style golf, that would be something that you would need to add. But... From your perspective, Josh, I like the idea of getting a permanent base of operations that you can start building a golf league around. Does that does that make sense to you? Well, no, none of this makes sense to me, and not not in uh, I think Bubba Watson's crazy kind of way. I just don't. I, I need need more information on what exactly Bubba Watson, what his vision, what he's talking about, what he what he means by this. What does he mean by he wants to turn this into more of a stadium event because uh, because to me, how much infrastructure can you build on a golf course? You make a valid point. And that's, I think what it would have to go down to is at some point, I think Liv would have to physically make their own golf courses if that were going to be the case. And they would have to design it in such a way that you could lend itself to some permanent infrastructure. I mean, am I am I wrong for thinking that based on what he's saying right here? It sounds like it. And my whole my next question would be, who's footing the bill? Because that is a lot of now the uh, somebody that knows more about just the ins and outs of how a typical PGA Tour operation runs. The the seating that you can bring in, kind of the grandstand seating, probably is not a wildly, wildly expensive expense, right? 
this is not uh, you're not building a house, no. so to speak. But if we're talking permanent infrastructure, if they want it bigger and, and better and grander, Jackson, then yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be more expensive. And if every single hole is that way for 18 holes, <laughs> that's a lot of cold hard cash. To, to, to put together. So that's where, for me, I say, I don't know what he's talking about. I need more information. What is the vision here? And if that's the vision, then for it to for it to live up to the expectation of, okay, for it not to be empty grandstands for 18 holes, okay, well, now the price uh, cost of admission needs to come way down in order for uh, you to get the type of crowds out there. You're basically asking for it to be Woodstock. Right, almost. I mean, you're you're not wrong. Based unless what they did is they went around the country and they found and talked to golf course owners and membership boards about going and citing, going and viewing sites that would lend itself to that. And that means going outside the realm of what we know the popular areas of golf to be. Because right now in Florida, you're going to have a hard time doing that. I mean, if you go anywhere where it's incredibly, incredibly populous, you're going to have a hard time because they're all a lot of residential areas and you, you have to get some extra ground to to promote that infrastructure, I would think, unless unless we're misinterpreting something that he said. And if, if we are, we apologize. But from from the sound of it, it it really sounds like they're going to try and build their own kind of brand, like their own architectural brand. That, that is going to lend itself to it. And l- l- Josh, I mean, you, you said it right. I can see I can see where this is a interesting idea, and they probably have more. Im- the, if Bubba is privy to the ongoings behind the Live Golf uh, administration, then there might be something else to it that we don't know about, and this is just a prototype ty- this is just a prototype blueprint is is maybe what we're we're getting here josh well and it could be as simple as this okay we're taking this thing way further than it actually is and are they going to build this infrastructure on one through 18 or are they just going to for example bubba watson is uh is the uh captain of the the range goats right the range goats have their own golf course Mm -hmm. i think maybe that's Really, more of what Bubba Watson is saying is, "Hey, this is uh, welcome to the Range Goats home course, right?" And uh, you know, it's it's in Orlando to to cite a course from just a couple of weeks ago. And you, you get uh, you get the the local community to kind of root for the Range Goats, right. and it's that division. The, the The Live Tour is definitely pushing the team element. I I wonder. I'd love to see it. I'd love to, and, and the quote here that Bubba Watson had was, we love the Ryder Cup, we love the President's Cup, so why not do it all year round? I got you. I just don't know. At the same, doesn't it lose its flavor at that point, though? I mean, too well, much of a good the, thing. Well, what makes the Ryder Cup and President's Cup great is it, it's once every couple of years. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, uh, man, it's it's really tough because I think they went into the team format. This is a this is where I think the live kind of drew back a little bit. Is they wanted this team format without putting real emphasis on what the team format would be. And so if you wanted a Ryder Cup president style thing all year round, 
the Liv could have easily put off for another year and said, hey, we want to establish this type of team format instead of just a traditional stroke play format for your team. And so if they wanted it all year round, if the people wanted it all year round, wouldn't wouldn't Liv have tried to institute that more off the bat than so so much later on? Wouldn't that make more sense? So they play three days right now. Yes. How about a fourth day where it's strictly match play between teams? I would love that. That would that would be such a good crowd draw. I mean, on the on week in week out, because people one of the highest I mean, one of the highest viewerships was the match play for the PGA Tour as far as a regular season goes because it was different. You got to see head to head. You got to see who was the best that week out of the players, as opposed to okay, this guy had a few mistakes, this guy had a few mistakes, and the guy with the fewest mistakes really came out on top. It, there is some of that, sure, but it is more of a mental battle at that point. And so adding the match play element to a live event would give us so much more information and so much more clarity on what this exact quote means, I think. Well, good luck getting that now accomplished. Right. Because you've kind of locked yourself into the, hey, we're playing three days, and that was part of the allure and draw for a lot of these professionals to come join the live tours. Hey, you can get paid potentially in a lot of uh, instances more. And oh, by the way, you're going to play one last day. So probably the the opportunity, the window to to make that happen, is gone. Or and the idea that you're going to somehow convince these guys to play 36 holes in a day, that's that's probably not going to happen. Or what either. you do, or what you do is you keep it three days. You do a two you do two days of stroke play and at the end of that your top however many players go on to the third day go on to a third day match play for an incentive bonus you could do that not that that would necessarily be easy to institute but if you're trying to keep it for three days that's really the way i think you would have to do it but you're right they've really locked themselves into a corner as far as just the maneuverability of the play styles that they're allowed to go through and i'm just thinking for them how can they make the team portion more exciting because I'm with you strictly, you know, match play there or strictly stroke play there. Probably it's kind of flavorless. Yeah. It it leaves something to be desired. And I know they want the, the, the year long team standings to matter. I just, and even just in general, I don't know that uh, it's, it's unique and it's different. I just don't know if golf fans are here for it. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that. But uh, golf, it's an individual game. And I I think folks have gotten so entrenched to the idea of who's going to win this golf tournament versus which team is going to win uh, this golf tournament. Or what you could do, what you could do, is if you wanted to keep the team format, do 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 four-man best ball or do four-man alternate shot. You could have team formats, and granted – it would be a little difficult to pull off logistically just because you're going to have eight men on a tee box at that point. But you could do, you could easily do something like that in the fact that if you want to spice up your team format, get people excited about the team format, you've got to incorporate the team into it more inclusively. And it has to be more exciting than just a stroke play to be able to get people invested in the team format. For me personally, as it stands right now, you could take away the team format and it would be the exact same league. That's that. That's really what it is. I don't get that sense of 
you know, team ownership like you do for the NFL. Like, it, they operate as a team. You can't play the NFL without the 11 men on the field and all everyone behind them. It's a team effort. If you want to incorporate a team, you have to play as a team, not as individuals who are connected as a team. Well, and you hit on something that I think is important here. The, the, what Bubba Watson is talking about, the idea of, hey, let's build a stadium and basically have ownership of this course in, let's just just use Oklahoma City, for example, right? Okay, now the question is, one event a year and that, that you would host in Oklahoma City where it's their stadium course and you're, you're rooting for the, uh, the Oklahoma City Aces, who is, well, let's just give ourselves the, the greatest golfers of all time, okay? Uh, it's Tiger Woods, it's Phil Mickelson, and it's whoever else, right, on the Oklahoma City Aces. That's a great draw. It's one week a year, though. How can you emotionally tie me to this team? And that's where uh, I think for, for golf, for the Live Tour, how can they answer that question? How can you emotionally, the community element, right? Because the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Oklahoma Sooners, that's a part of the community. People care. They're invested. Uh, emotionally, they're drawn to it. I don't know how you create that in golf. And, and that's the question that, for Bubba Watson, I think that's his vision. But I don't know how you make that happen with, you know, one event a year at a place. It's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough thing to try and get because you're already so, you're already so enamored in this. You've, you seem to have a formula that you like. The problem is it doesn't incorporate everything that you want it to include. And so getting it, I mean, there would have to be community output. I mean, the, the actual league would have to be way more involved in the community than it is. I mean, that's one of the things. The PGA, the PGA has charities. It's got all kinds of different things that help the community year in, year out, because that's where the event is held. To my knowledge, the Live hasn't incorporated that to that degree just yet, and that's going to be something they would have to do to be able to have that and get people excited. Look at everything that this league has done, what this sport has done for the community. We're going to go out and show our appreciation for them by going out to this tournament and rooting for all of these incredible athletes. There's a disconnect there right now, at least in part. And so the PGA is going to have that advantage over the Live, and so Live has to find a way to incorporate that in a way that makes sense in order to be able to have those stadium-type properties that Bubba's talking about. I'd love to see golf get to that point, though. I, I mean, too, I, th- man. I think That'd it'd be, be fun to, to see more of – basically more of the waste management, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But uh, to have there be that emotional element for a team, uh, more, more of a Ryder Cup feel, right, which is what Bubba Watson wants. I, I would love that on a more regular basis for golf – how you create that? Okay, well, now you got to get people more. You got to get people involved a little bit brighter than myself. We might have to. That might be a discussion for another time entirely. I mean, you could have an entire show talking about that one. Well, I'd be curious to hear what Brian thinks about it. Oh, for sure. You know, obviously, uh, our co-host has has bolted out for today, so don't don't let me lose track of that going forward. Here, we'll we'll see what he thinks uh, in the weeks to come. Speaking of. Things to address going forward. Teased it off the top. A bold claim in the world of golf that that you're convinced of that just might be a little crazy. Let's share our uh, thoughts on those next. Uh, Kyle Porter, his thought was 
hey, Matt Fitzpatrick, at some point, he's going to be the official uh, official world golfer, number one golfer in the uh, official world golf rankings. He'll be top, top, top of the rankings, numero uno, which, you know, frankly, <laughs> way to be bold there. Uh, way to be bold there, Kyle, because right now he's number six <laughs> in the world golf rankings. But I hear what he's saying. At different junctures, there's plenty of folks that would not have thought Matt Fitzpatrick would be number one in the world. What uh, what bold claims do we have out there? We'll share them with you next right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the Rev. Back with you. It's the Gimme Zone. Happy Saturday, everybody. Ben Lorenz from Oklahoma joining us in just a few minutes, so we'll be uh, not long-winded right here. I want to get Ben Lorenz and uh, the Sooners all of the proper time that they are due. Back-to-back Big 12 champions. No big deal. Just what uh, Oklahoma does, baby. And uh, Ben Lorenz will join us next. So, before the break, tossed it out there. Jackson, do you do you have a, okay, this is a little crazy, little crazy, bold take, but I believe well, whole, wholeheartedly that this will happen in the world of golf. I think it's possible. I also think he's got work to do because I'm if I'm thinking about it in terms of let's look at the numbers. Let's think about the analytics here because I pulled up his stat line for the year. As far as the big ones, strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained around the green, strokes gained putting, strokes gained total driving. He is a top 50 in every category, and that makes for an incredible golfer, sixth-ranked player in the world. There is a staggering number there. Strokes gained approach to the green. So everything from 50 yards out to about 250 yards. Anything that, you know, you're off the tee, what are you hitting into the green? Out of 205 players that are ranked on strokes gained, he is 138th. That is low side of that is the low side of average. Yeah, not good. It's not good. And if you look at some of the best iron players, right now the best iron player analytically in the game is Tony Finau. Followed closely by Murakawa coming up coming up the rear. Those guys kind of mark the one and the five, and then there's a couple of players in between. And I don't want to point out the trend there, but if you look at the golf courses Fitzpatrick has won on, he won at Brookline, he won the he won the US Amateur there. And then he's then Hilton Head, RBC Heritage, is a place that he's played numerous times. He can get away with a little bit of iron play because he knows those courses like the back of his hand. If you don't know the layout of the green, your iron play is going to suffer because you don't know the nuances and the curves and what you need to hit where going into them. He is fantastic as a scrambler. He's ranked fifth in scrambling. And as far as total putting, he's ranked 16th in strokes gained putting. So this is a guy who knows how to get around the greens He's excellent short game, doesn't make a ton of bogeys, but he's not making all the birdies in the world right now because he's not finding the green on his approach shot all the time. That's an area of work. If he's going to get to number one in the world, that has to be what he focuses on. Talking Matt Fitzpatrick. Yes, talking fat, talking Matt Fitzpatrick. If he is going to get to number one in the world, that iron play has to get much sharper if he wants to get there. That being said, that's a guy who knows his numbers. He knows his game better than anybody that's, a, that's an area he can work on, and if he works on that through the next season or two, 
yeah, he'll get to number one in the world. I have no doubt in my mind, John. Going to have to win a few more times. Certainly going to have to win that. Well, even then, I mean, Justin Rose, when he got to number one in 2018, he won one tournament, but he got a ton of top tens. Hmm. And so if you're in the mix there and you're in it week in, week out, and other players are fluctuating. Basically, Rahm and Scheffler right now would have to come back this other direction a little bit. But Luke Donald got to world number one that exact same way. He was just consistent. He didn't win a ton of tournaments, but he was a top ten machine when other players were going up and down a whole, whole lot. And so it is absolutely possible. That is not – it is not hard for me to wrap my brain around that take that Matt Fitzpatrick could get world number one. If you disagree with me on that, Josh, I want you to let me know, though. I like I like having a little like having a little debate if we can have it, you know. Oh, I think it's I think it's possible. Hundred percent. I like what uh, I've seen from Fitzpatrick over the last couple of years, and and really even uh, even before he won the major last year, I liked uh, some of what we had seen from Fitzpatrick. We just hadn't seen him win on American soil yet. Sure. Now we've seen that uh, a couple of times, so I don't think it's totally crazy. I think, uh, you know, I think because of the way the the rankings are set up, it's uh, I don't want to say it's easier than ever to get to world number one, but even even before uh, this has kind of eliminated the the live golfers out of the equation, the uh, the two year thing to me it's uh, at times I wonder, and, and I don't just have this uh, easy suggestion for how the world golf ranking should work. I don't know that it's the perfect formula in general to uh, award the number one golfer in the world Uh, to me there maybe should be a little bit more weight on having won golf tournaments so all of which is to say I I, I don't know that I mean look it's a hell of an accomplishment to be the number one golfer in the world but uh, I just like it's like a revolving door left and right of number one so at times to me it's uh you know, I don't know that it's the the end all be all for who's the number one player in the world. Sometimes it ends, other times I feel like it's not. Uh, so, all of which is to say, I guess at times I'm not like blown away by who the number one golfer in the world is. Sure. To me, being a you know a top ten golfer in the world's pretty pretty impressive in general. So. Yeah, I think Fitzpatrick can get there. I think a lot of guys can get to number one in the world if you play well for two years based on how kind of the, the rankings uh, lend themselves. So Fitzpatrick, sure, absolutely, the way he's playing right now could uh, could get there. Do you have a bold take, something in the world of golf that you like? Because I got one for you. I think Ricky Fowler's going to win on tour again. Oh, I, I 100% agree with that. Ricky Fowler, I mean, he's playing some fantastic golf. I think you've got to pull up here 59th in the world golf ranking right now. Um. But this guy, when he gets back into the top 50 and he's competing again in majors in those big events, yeah, he'll be a factor. I mean, he's figured it out. He's back with Butch. We, we've talked about it before. I mean, he he's really taking this seriously now. I mean, not that he didn't before, but his, his game is coming back and he's found something that seems to be clicking, seems to be working for him uh, quite a bit. No, my hot take is I bet we will see Jordan Spieth crack the top five by year's end that's going to be my that's going to be my hot take and whether it's mild hot or whether it's scorching I don't know almost one uh not uh just a couple of weeks ago but he's doing well he's played played well at the Masters again he almost got into a playoff he's I think top five or top ten in the money list so far this year I mean he's making cuts 
His iron play is sharp. His wedge play is back. It's just going to boil down to that putter, which I know he's going to be working on. But when he figures that out, especially come Oak, especially come Oak Hill and you know the PGA Championship, you can bet he's focused on that, trying to get that career grand slam. That's the only one he's missing. He is putting all of his attention, all of his focus into practicing, working hard for that tournament. By year's end, I bet we see him in the top five. That's probably going to be my that's my hot take for you, Josh. I like it. Yeah. No. I mean, I think there's definite signs that he he's on that type of trajectory we can continue this conversation before we end the program today but look we got to take a break let's hear from ben lorenz coming up next he and the sooners red stinking hot they've got the uh, norman regional right around the corner as well they're red stinking hot we'll tell you why and, and the man himself ben lorenz will will tell you why right here on the gimme zone when we return as he joins us on the ref back with you it's the gimme zone right here on the ref we welcome in a young man that has to be feeling pretty good. I would imagine he and his team got to be feeling pretty good. We welcome in Ben Lorenz, Jr. from the University of Oklahoma, recent champion down at the Goodwin, and, of course, uh, the Sooners, now back-to-back Big 12 champs. Ben, what's up, man? Good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, we're, we're pumped that you're with us. We're doing great. Take us through uh, first uh, the the week that was this past week here, back-to-back Big 12 champions and uh, you and the Sooners tracking it down at Prairie Dunes. How'd you guys get this thing done? Uh, man, so we we knew it was going to be a long week um, leading up to it. Prairie Dunes is definitely one of the harder courses we play in our rotation, and we I think we just had a really good preparation plan leading up into the tournament, some really good days of practice back at the house and then had a good practice round and just kind of just stayed patient and tough all week and then I think that was just our biggest thing. Ben, pleasure to have you on the show, man. We're happy you're here. I got a question for you. As far as obviously it's a very different environment from Norman to San Francisco going from Jimmy Austin to TPC Harding Park. What are some of the challenges that you guys had to face especially you personally navigating some much different conditions a much different golf course how do you transition from practice onto a course like Harding Park that really led you to a victory yeah it's sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do I think you just gotta when you're playing your practice round you just you know get a feel for the different grass and try to adjust as much as possible I think each round especially for us, you know, going out to the West Coast, each each round of the tournament, we probably just got a little bit more comfortable um, with the course and the grass. And it's, I don't know, it, it's kind of tough. It can be tough at times, but it's all just about gaining confidence in, a, in your practice round. Well, what whatever you were doing in the practice rounds, Clearly, it worked, Ben, because uh, you capture the uh, individual championship down there at the Goodwin. So, take us through, man. I mean, what what suited the eye and what was feeling good at TPC Harding Park? Yeah, I think that golf course was a really good setup for kind of my game. It was kind of long and demanding off the tee, which is kind of one of my strengths, driving it well. And then coming into the green, it, it kind of just favors someone who can, you know, strike it well and I think that kind of played into my hand I was able to hit a lot of fairways and hit a lot of greens and just you know 
par a lot of those hard holes and then those birdies will come eventually and that's kind of just what i did that whole week the big 12 championship at prairie dunes what uh what did you guys do well with the course it seemed like comfortably in front for a good portion of it but i know that it you guys, though it might look easy, it's not easy. What was just the the, the week like at Prairie Dunes uh, winning there? Yeah, I think uh, our biggest our biggest thing we did well that week was just getting off to a great start that first day. It's something we kind of haven't been doing a great job of this spring. We've had great great final rounds and coach we in our team meeting before the first round, kind of just fired us up to get off to one of those quick starts and I I think that a lot of that tournament was won for us on that first day just getting off to that quick start and then we were able to kind of build on that and just play super solid those other two rounds so yeah I'd say that that first day was huge for us well going back to to your win at the good win just individually, how are you feeling right now? I know that this is uh, the part of the – every part of the schedule. You want to play well and win, but uh, from from a team standpoint, this is where it ramps up, right? Big 12 championship. You got a Norman Regional we'll talk about in just a little bit. But individually, team perspective, how are you feeling? How's the team feeling right now? Yeah, um, team is looking really good. We're all starting to kind of – play well at the right time we know that this is an important part of the season right here going into kind of the championship season really you know big 12s and then obviously the national championship and regionals but my game right now feels good I'm, I'm just I feel like I'm just getting a little bit better each week and it's it's really fun for me to kind of improve each week and then being alongside a great group of guys helps too we're dating back a couple of weeks here on this, but tell me a little bit about your, your teammate, a youngster, Sooner Frosh, Jay Summy. He uh, he won the individual title up at the Boilermaker. I know the team played well, too. What is Jace like, and uh, what's his game like? Yeah, Jace, he's he, he's a dog for sure. Uh, he's, he's done a really good job as a freshman this year, and he's, I don't think this team wouldn't have – this team would have had much of its success without – without his scores counting and he's a great he's a great dude me and him we like to go fishing back at the house and he's been really important for our team this year for sure yeah you guys seem to be getting along just fine coming in getting wins and all the and all the right things so i'm going to skip ahead maybe a couple weeks so you guys are going to be coming back you've guys got the regional y'all are hosting here at jimmy Mm -hmm. austin are you guys trying to improve on anything when you get back are you trying to maintain what you're doing what's your focus when you get back as far as your practice what's your prep like knowing that you're going to be playing at home how much confidence does that give you coming back against all these teams are you, you guys got to be feeling good about that right yeah yeah for sure i think being able to host a regional it's definitely a, a huge advantage and uh i'm sure coach will put together a really good plan probably that week leading up and you know they're they'll definitely set up the golf course maybe a little bit different than they kind of do all year, just make it a little bit firmer and faster. So we'll, I mean, we're, we're fortunate enough to be able to kind of get access to that before some of these other teams. So we'll be able to to be out there a lot that week leading up and be ready to go. 
what's it like taking part in uh, a regional in Norman? I mean, that, that part of it has to be pretty cool. I mean, I know you're playing at home, and it's an advantage, but what is it like just seeing Jimmy morph into what it's going to morph into for this event? Yeah, I think it's it's really awesome. It kind of it kind of gives some of the people a chance to come out and watch. And I know last year when we hosted, we we had like some big crowds out there. It's cool to see. I know Coach Venables was out there, and it's it's definitely a cool kind of stadium environment out there. And I think I think we just like to be to be in that spot. Well, what are you expecting uh, from this uh, postseason push here? It feels like you guys this time of year always uh, have been able to push the right buttons, but where's uh, where is your headspace at right now, and what are you expecting from this team uh, as we enter the next phase of the postseason? Yeah, I think um, we all like where we're at and everything. We're kind of just all on schedule right now, and it's we're all starting to put the puzzle pieces together. And I mean, we obviously our ultimate goal is to win a national championship, but we try to focus on each week and it's a good start for the last three events got the big 12 ring and now we're on to the regional so trying to collect more hardware which uh, i think you guys will have a great chance to do that ben uh, last question just on the way out for you just what's uh, this team in general like to be a part of? Not to totally com- compare and contrast with other teams, but what's cool about this year's group of Oklahoma Sooners to be a part of? Yeah, I think it's been really cool this year. Obviously, it's a little bit more of, I guess you could say, a rebuilding year, you know, losing some great seniors. But I think our young guys have come together and really showed up. And I think we just we have a, a really good group of guys and, you know, we're all super close off the course, and it's just – it makes traveling fun, and it's super fun to go to battle with these guys. Well, you guys, uh, as typifies Oklahoma golf, playing really, really good golf. Congratulations on your individual championship recently, Ben, and uh, obviously best of luck coming up a couple of weeks in the Norman Regional. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Ben, thanks, buddy. Have a good rest of your weekend. Yeah, y'all too. Ben Lorenz from the Oklahoma Sooners. How about that? Man, what a good guy. Class act. I mean, he, I mean, how excited. He sounds just ready to go. He's talking about his team. I mean, coming off a couple of wins. How can you not be ready to go? I mean, you're coming in. You're not going to be traveling for your regional. Right. You're going to have your own bed to sleep in, all that good food in the pantry. Dude, that, that cannot be understood. There is no, this, it's obvious why this guy's excited, why this entire team's excited. We were happy to have him on. Ben, thank you for, for joining the show. Well, and playing quality golf at the right time uh, is a, a good feeling as well. Big thank you to uh, Coach Hibble, to uh, the University of Oklahoma, and Ben Lorenz for taking a little time out for us on a Saturday. One final segment. Phil Mickelson says, hey, no panic about all this. Uh, will the world golf rankings work out? How are we going to play major championships? He says, no need to freak out. We'll share it with you next as we close up shop on the Gimme Zone. One final time back with you. Hey, once again, big thank you to Ben Lorenz from the Oklahoma Sooners. Cool to get to catch up with Ben and just wishing you and Oklahoma continued success uh, through the the Norman Regional and hopefully en route to another national championship for Coach uh, Ryan Hibble and the crew. I know we promised Phil Mickelson. We'll get to it before we uh, walk out the door here. Just uh, before we do so, since we, we missed this in our absence last week with the Oklahoma Sooners spring football game, 
Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, another surgery. He's undergone ankle surgery. Let's see here. Uh, a subtler fusion procedure to address some of the issues he's dealt with since his car accident uh, a couple of years ago in February of 2021. Here's what uh, the statement read from Woods's Twitter account. Uh, this would be from uh, Wednesday of not this week, but last week. Earlier today, Tiger underwent a subtler fusion procedure to address his post-traumatic arthritis from his previous uh, talus fracture. It was performed by Dr. Martin O'Malley at HSS Sports Medicine Institute in New York City. He has determined the surgery to be successful. Tiger is currently recovering and looks forward to beginning his rehabilitation. So uh, there you go. That's the, the latest on Tiger Woods. I'm happy that he's getting his health taken care of. I'm happy that he's trying to keep himself together in one piece. But you got to hang up the career at this point. I mean, how many surgeries can you have? How many injuries can you undertake before you just say, I, I, I'm done. I'm done. Which speaks to his fighting spirit, and I'm more than happy to attest to that. But, I mean, you and I were talking about it during the break, Josh. I mean, how much more can he take? Can we just can we let Jack have it? Can we let Jack have the major title, Josh? Uh, I don't think he's going down without a fight. Oh, sure. absolutely Kicking not. and screaming. Uh, and I don't know. This feels like it was a surgery to try and uh, remain competitive in the world of golf. Uh, maybe it was a quality of life procedure, too. I mean, that would be my hope, but uh, I don't get uh, the impression that that was the case from Tiger Woods. It does uh, cast into doubt whether or not he'll be at the – PGA Championship, so time, uh, I guess, will tell on that front. I would I would tend to say he's not going to be. And here's the thing. Whenever we talk about Tiger Woods, what are we talking about with Tiger Woods? Is it his play is it, or is it his injuries? The only thing we're talking about is just his leg is back and now his ankle. And poor play. And well, and yeah, and the poor play that he's been that he's been distributing. I mean, no one wants to watch him go out there and, you know, barely make cuts. As much as people want to watch Tiger – I mean, he's barely making cuts. He's or make a cut and then, uh, and then you know, pl- com- completely fall by the wayside. Exactly. And so it, I don't think Tiger wants that either. And so I would just – it's tough because I don't want to talk about Tiger in this light in any way, shape, or form. But I think that if Tiger's being real with himself, he has got to go ahead and hang it up. I think he has to. Otherwise, I mean – not that you'll tarnish an outstanding legacy like his. Oh, but it waters it down a it, little bit. It certainly waters it down, and I don't want that to happen to us an otherwise great career, you know? Well, there's a whole generation of folks that don't don't really know Tiger Woods. They, they know him as, unfortunately, uh, the injury-riddled Tiger Woods that everybody said, well, wait a second, wasn't this guy great? Uh, before we get out the door, just because we promised it, this will uh, continue to drive a lot of the golf conversation. Phil Mickelson says, nah, don't worry about the official world golf rankings. It's all going to get worked out. Yeah, it's going to all iron itself out because um, if, you're, if you're one of the majors, if you're the masters, you're, you're not looking at we should keep these guys out. You're saying to yourself, we want to have the best field, we want to have the best players, and these guys added a lot to the tournament this year at the Masters. How do we get them included? We have to come up with a qualifying 
mechanism that uh, is inclusive. And if the World Golf Ranking isn't going to be inclusive, then they have to find another way. Maybe they take the top five or top ten or winners of, of the live, but they're, they're going to have to find a way to get the best live players in their field if they want to have the best field in golf and, and be really what major championship is about. And so the, they're, they're already looking at that. And um, the, if the, the, World Golf the World Golf Rankings doesn't find a way to be inclusive, then the majors will just find another way to include live uh, because it's no longer a credible way. So it will all iron itself out uh, for the simple reason that it's in the best interest of everybody, especially the tournaments, the majors, to have the best players. I don't believe that to be true. I hope that's true. But I, today where we sit, do not believe that to be true, Jackson. Well, if we learned anything from the past year and, you know, live becoming a thing, it's that Jay Monahan and the administration are stubborn about a lot of things. And so it's... it's and, it, and though he's not in charge of every major, he's, uh, you know, involved. He has say. He has, yeah. he has input. Well, and I think the guys that are leading a lot of these majors want to do right by Jay Monahan, which it could be problematic in the future. That's it for us. Thank you to uh, Scotty uh, Crothamel, the uh, rules advanced rules official for uh, the Compliance Solutions Championship, for joining us. To Ben Lorenz, a champion, a Big 12 champion back-to-back -back and an individual champion recently at the Goodwin. And from a partners on the broadcast, Brian Vineyard, Jackson Rowbottom, I'm Josh Elmer saying we'll see you next week. So long, Oklahoma.